0: Okay, so we are continuing to to move along in our series entitled "Living the Dream," living the dream, and in which we have been looking at our lives uh, as well. I think as just the lives of our culture where we find ourselves having the dreams of the kind of life that we want to live uh, in our everyday life um, is a part of that, but also in our spiritual walks with God. But but recognizing that, that too often we, we don't make the transition from from dreaming the dream to living the dream. And so how do we do that, especially as Christ followers? How do we make that jump uh, so that we can incorporate those uh, attributes, those qualities, those gifts, those blessings God would desire for us uh, into our everyday existence as his disciples. Well that's what we've been looking at for several weeks. We spent a couple of weeks just kind of introducing the concept and then two weeks ago we began to look at some of the specific uh, character traits or, or qualities that, that uh, particularly help us move in that direction and And so we uh, looked, uh, for example, at that idea of faithfulness and spent some time acknowledging how important that is not only in our relationship with God but how important it is in our relationship with one another. last week we we spent a few minutes uh, talking about the whole idea of perseverance perseverance, and just as a quick um, uh, refresher on that. We talked about the importance of, of having the right mindset when it comes to our our walk with God, and, and to view that as a lifetime endeavor, a lifetime adventure. It's not a sprint where everything we need to learn we learn in a year or two or five years. It's it's not an occasion where we uh, we, we live those things in a short period of time and then we coast for the rest of our lives. Uh, our our walk, our journey, our adventure with God exists from the moment we invite Him into our heart until we breathe our last here. And so we need to really view it more as a marathon than as a sprint. We talked about in order to have that, that essence of perseverance as a part of who we are, that we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus because there are so many things out there that can distract us. Many of those things are even good things, but they keep us from seeing or doing or being the people God would have us to be. And so we, we need to keep our eyes fixated, locked in on who Christ is. And then uh, finally, we spend just a few minutes talking about the fact that, that in order to persevere, because this is a lifetime journey and adventure for us, that, uh, that we need help along the way. It's just too long of a, of a process for us to do it on our own. And so we need God's presence, obviously. But we also need the help of one another in, in that journey. And, and not only do we need one another's help, not only do I need your help, but you need my help. We need the, the help of each other in order for us to be able to get through that. And so all of those things together help us to be a a people of perseverance. They they help us to be a people of faithfulness. And this morning, we're going to move in a a direction that that dovetails with what this this day is on the Christian calendar, Pentecost Sunday, by, by spending just a few moments talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Uh, As we look to scripture, we see that Jesus uh, spends a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit and and particularly spends time in the 16th chapter of the book of John. Um, And let me uh, just start with that uh, first verse there to to see how Jesus leads into his his teaching for us. Uh, In the first verse of that 16th chapter, we read this. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away, uh, for they will put you out of the synagogue in fact, The time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. Jesus here is talking about that time that's coming after he's leaving. He's going to be crucified here in the not too distant future. And so he's in the midst of that process of preparing them. Uh, for that, and as he, he, he moves into some of the teaching that he wants them to hear, he talks about this idea of, of what's going to take place, and it's, it's in many ways a prophetic word, and one of the interesting things uh, about prophecy in scripture is that oftentimes it applies not only to the people then or that generation, but it also has a future uh, application as well, which is exactly what we see in this case. Uh, we know that the, the believers there in that first century church were often excluded from the synagogues because of the, uh, the, the struggles that the Jewish leaders had with this, this new faith that was emerging, and so they wouldn't be allowed uh, to worship there. And in terms of, of losing their lives, well, we don't have to go any farther really than the, the lives of the apostles. You know, as we, we look at those individuals that spent all of that time with Jesus while he was here on earth, we see that 10 of them, were martyred in a variety of different ways, crucifixion, beheading, stoning. Um, uh, The the only two that weren't um, killed in that way, one of them was John, um, who was exiled in the latter part of his life to the island of Patmos, which was a very itty-bitty island that was very um, rustic in its uh, setup, not a good way you'd want to spend the last few years of your life. And the other one was, of course, Judas, who took his own life but for all of the other apostles they were uh, they were martyred because of their faith and it didn't just end with them we continue to see in the first and second century churches where Christians would have to give of their life in order to remain true to their faith i wish that we could say that it ended there but it didn't In fact, it's still very much a present reality in our world today. We go to too many different locations and we see how Christians, pastors, missionaries, uh, just regular church members are too often called to give of their lives for no other reason than because they're Christ followers. A martyrdom continues to be a very real part of our world. And so uh, Jesus gives us a warning. He says these, these times, these circumstances are coming, and then he continues on with the fourth verse with these words. I've told you this so that when the time comes, you'll remember that I warned you. I didn't tell you this at first because, well, I was still with you. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away, for unless I go away, the counselor, which is just another name for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And in my mind, anyway, I can, I can just sort of see the, the disciples as they hear these words, thinking the thought, really, Jesus? we're going to be better off without having you there in our midst. Maybe they even began to whisper that kind of thing between themselves as they were walking along. You see, as as I understand and read Scripture about the, uh, the apostles, uh, I don't think they fully grasp all of, of who Jesus was and the way that he had come into this world. I think they still struggled with that that traditional belief that the Messiah would be a, a political or a military leader. So I think there were aspects they didn't quite get, but they did get the, the reality that this was a pretty hodgepodge gathering of individuals that Jesus pulled together. Different backgrounds, different personality types. This was a, a very diverse Group. It seems like they, they were as inclined to spend time arguing about who was going to be seated at the right hand of Jesus when they got to heaven as to talk about who was going to stand beside Jesus uh, when he was there in front of the Sanhedrin uh, prior to, to his crucifixion. Uh, th- this was a group that didn't always get along uh, together the best. And so you, I can envision them saying to themselves, really, are we going to be better without you in our midst? It sort of reminds me of, of, of those dads uh, back in the day when it wasn't criminal to, uh, to give your child a SWAT on the bottom. Um, you know, dads would, would give their son a, a SWAT, and before that would happen, the dad would say, You know, son, this is gonna hurt me more than it's gonna hurt you. And the child's thinking, Really, dad? Really? Or, or the daughter who has, has been put in time out or, or maybe has, has been grounded for a month by the mom. And as the mom's talking to the daughter, she says, you know, honey, um, this really is for your own good that I'm doing this. And the daughter's thinking, really, mom, really? Well, I think that may be a part of what the, the, the disciples, the apostles were thinking here. Really, Jesus, are we going to be better without having you in our midst? Now, we're a uh, people of the book which means we know how the story ends. We get to to read how things progress. And as we look in here, we know Jesus has a pretty good track record of, of not only doing those things that are in the best interest of God's kingdom, but are in our best interest as well. And so what we discover is exactly what Jesus said would be the case. Uh, that there was going to be one coming after him, uh, the Holy Spirit, which is exactly what they were going to need for the circumstances that were to await them. And so we read some uh, additional uh, descriptions of that by Jesus even before this in the 14th chapter of John. He talks about it with these words. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, again, another word for the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. As we look to this, we see that there's a couple, I think anyway, important revelations that come out of this in the latter part there. You will know him, for he dwells in you and will be with you. The first thing is that the Holy Spirit is there with us. Remember we talked about he came down in that upper room at Pentecost and continued to stay. Well, he's here with us now. When other God's people are together, whether it be a worship service or a Sunday school class or a Bible study, whether it's a fellowship event or an outreach activity that we take place, the Holy Spirit's there in our midst. But he's not just there sort of uh, between us and amongst us. says there he's within us. And he will be in you. Which means every place that we go, Everything that we do, every moment that we have, 24-7, the Holy Spirit resides within us. And for me, the wonderful truth behind that is the recognition that I am never alone. And you are never alone. No matter where you're at, no matter how abandoned you might feel, no matter how isolated you may think you are, the Holy Spirit is always there. And will always be there to guide and to comfort and to teach. So who is this Holy Spirit? Who is this one, the the helper, the advocate, the counselor, the healer, the comforter? Who is he? Well, let's uh, look to see what God's word has to say about that today. We see that as we think about the Holy Spirit, one of the, the elements that we need to be mindful of is that the Holy Spirit's a part of the Godhead. He's a, a part of the Trinity. Now, we don't have time this morning to, to go into depth into that concept, which even, uh, even with great teaching would still be a little uh, mind-boggling to us. But he's a part of that, that, that union of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We think of, of Jesus' instructions as he was about to depart and he, he told to the believers there that they needed to go and make disciples and that a part of that process was that they were to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We read about the Holy Spirit being present in, in Genesis as the, as the Spirit rested there upon uh, the water. We read about the Spirit being present in the, present in the, the book of Revelation and everywhere in between. The Holy Spirit is, is, is a part of who God is in his essence. Now, as I mentioned earlier, unless we uh, happen to have had some uh, association with a Pentecostal or charismatic church in our history, we probably haven't spent a lot of time talking or, or thinking about the Holy Spirit, which is a detriment to us uh, as Baptists, I think. Um, the Holy Spirit is such an integral part of, of who God is and desires to be in our lives. He is the one that comforts. He is the one that guides. He is the, the one that convicts us. And we see in the, in the, in the presence and the person of uh, the Holy Spirit a great element of power that is with that. You know, sometimes I think as we, as we in our own minds um, envision who the Holy Spirit is, we think of him as, as being sort of this divine or heavenly therapist. And yet the truth is he's much more like a, a divine personal trainer for us. The Holy Spirit is one of of strength and is of power. Just just listen to the the, the description of the, the, the arrival there of the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. The Holy Spirit is, is a presence of power in the lives of the people then in the, and in the, our lives as well, which moves us into kind of the second understanding of, of who the Holy Spirit is. He's one who partners with us. Um, now, it's not an equal partnership, obviously, but he's one that, that comes alongside us in living our lives as, as disciples or as Christ followers. Uh, there's a word frequently associated with, with the Holy Spirit. It's the word paraclete. Paraclete in, in the Greek is, is a reference. It's a military term that, that refers to uh, the kind of fighting style Greeks would engage in when they went to battle. Uh, back in those days, most of the, the fighting that took place was hand to hand. And if you've seen some of the... Um, Different movies as of of late Lord of the Rings or those kinds of things. You you see the people rushing into the the opposite armies and they're swinging the swords and doing those kinds of of things. But for the Greeks, they had a little bit different style. Rather than going one-on-one, they would partner up and they would go back to back as they would fight, they would, they would do that with, with each other's back uh, to the other so that uh, there would be a protection uh, for that blind side of who they are. We see that same kind of thing even in our military fighting today. Soldiers will stand back to back in order to, to make sure that no one gets to them uh, unanticipated, no one is there, that, that they can't see a coming. It, it's a way of protecting, in, in, in military nomenclature today, it's that one to protect their six. Um, and that's how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. He's there to, 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 to make sure that, that we're always on guard, that we're always protected all the way around us, even in those things that we can't see occurring behind us. Now we know the Holy Spirit goes by a variety of different names. We see that throughout Scripture, but one of the common core of ideas or, or principles that's incorporated into the, the Greek word or words that are used is that idea that, that the Holy Spirit is one who makes strong, who makes it strong. You know, our God is not a wimpy God, and I don't think he wants us to be wimpy followers either, which is why we read over and over in Scripture those passages that talk about the strength that we find in God. We we look, for example, to the Old Testament, Joshua, the first chapter. Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The book of Deuteronomy, the 31st chapter, be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid or terrified because of them for the Lord, your God goes with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. Remember the spirits within us, not just around us. We see the same idea carried on into the New Testament, just one passage that references it here in in Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his Might. And so we see that the the Holy Spirit's there to be a a partner with us, standing beside us, protecting us, watching over us, giving that strength, not the strength that we have in ourselves, but that strength that we discover that we have in Him. He's a part of the the Godhead. He's a, a partner with us. Thirdly, we see that He's one who teaches us, He's a teacher. In John, the 14th chapter. Uh, Jesus says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Will teach you all things. He teaches us. He reminds us. He encourages us. He continuously reveals God to us. Why? Because we, we live in a world, especially today, where that is not going to happen around us. You know, there was a, a period in generations past. Some of you can remember that. Where even if you weren't a church attender, you heard uh, spiritual, godly things as, as a part of public schools or as a, as a part of just living in society. We are past that time. That is not going to occur in today's age. In today's age, we're we're far more likely to, to hear those whispers of the evil one, much like I think he did uh, through the serpent to Eve back in the Garden of Eden. We're going to hear those whispers of the evil one that's going to that's say, uh, you believe in God? Why, why would you believe in God? There's no God out there. Or uh, if there is a God, he doesn't care about you. Think everybody else is more important to you. Think, think of all those people who have done so much more with their lives. Why would he care about you? Or even if he wanted to care about you, you know, he's just, he's just a God. He doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the strength. He's not able to do that. Uh, those things that you want him to do in your life. Uh, and these are all lies from the father of lies. But that's what has become far too prevalent in the world in which we live today. And so we see that the, the Holy Spirit is one who's there uh, to teach us all of God's truths, to teach us all things to reveal to us those things uh, first told to us in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament from from Genesis uh, to Revelation, those things that that were brought about through the words of of Abraham and of David and of uh, Paul and of Jesus, all of those things uh, come back to mind through the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And my guess is that you've probably experienced that. Hopefully, on a, on a semi regular basis. I know that, that I have. If you had those situations in your life when you're in the midst of maybe it's a crisis, maybe it's just a, a time of, of, of wondering or wandering in your life. And suddenly a passage comes to mind. Maybe it's a passage you memorized 10 years ago, maybe it's a passage you didn't realize you ever memorized. But it comes to mind. Or you think of a lesson that you, you heard in Sunday school a couple of years ago and, and suddenly you, you think of what was taught and how it applies to your situation. Or, or you think of a biblical character and, and how that biblical character's life sort of mirrors right where you're at. And through all of those things, God uses those to provide direction or to provide comfort, whatever it is that you need. I know that that happens for me on a regular basis. And not because I'm a particularly godly person, not because I'm a great pastor or a, or a deep theologian or any of those things, and I'm not. But I am a Christ follower. And so the Spirit in his grace and in his mercy brings those things to mind. Just the right thing to hear at just the right moment to hear it. The Spirit teaches us all things. Uh, we also see that he teaches us not just uh, things in general, but in particular, he teaches us things about Jesus. Uh, it says there, and I will remind you, and he will remind you of everything I have said to you in another passage, John fifteen twenty six. It says this, but when the helper, the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And so he, he reveals in all of those things a, a special emphasis on, on who the person of Jesus is. How he's our Lord, how he's our Savior, how he's the, the one that came into the world to make that ultimate sacrifice. That we could have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. Those things become real to us, those big things become true to us because of the working and movement of the Holy Spirit. So we see that the the Holy Spirit is a part of the Godhead, that the Holy Spirit's a partner and and, a teacher for us. We also see that the Holy Spirit is, is used by God in a way to expose the world's errors or the world's lies that exist around us. In John, again, 16, it says this, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. What does that mean? Well, we live in a world today that I think has gone completely off the rails when it comes to the concept of truth. We view truth today as something that we each get to decide. It's all relativistic. I have my truth. You have your truth. You live by your truth. I'll live by my truth. And and we'll presume that we can go on in existence. But that's not working very well for us. When we lose that concept of, a, of an objective, absolute truth, folks, that, uh, chaos is what ends up uh, coming into uh, place. And so think about it. Pick a topic, really just about any topic you can come up with, and there is going to be a heated argument about it today. Religious freedom, welfare, immigration, the role of the government, taxation, gun control, marriage, schools. We in this past year even had uh, almost knockdown, down drag-out fights about Toilet paper. Folks, we, we've reached a point where because each person believes what they want to believe, sees their, their truth as the truth, that the world's just sort of gone a little bit crazy. And part of that is is resulted in, in a in a world in which we can't even have conversation about these things anymore. Because we've become so entrenched, we've become so polarized in our beliefs. We've become so, uh, I think, deceived by the evil one and, and, and bought into that lie that, that our truth is the truth. That if anyone believes different than us, that they've obviously got to be wrong because we know what truth is. And If they don't think like we think, well, then they've just got to be an idiot. So the evil one has stepped into our world and and brought this deception, I think, that has fallen over us. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps us to understand that. The Holy Spirit helps us to see uh, where those lies, those falsehoods are present. In this passage, Jesus speaks specifically of a day that's going to come when the world isn't going to even understand about the concept of sin anymore. That it's, it's not going to know what it means to live a, a righteous lifestyle. It's not even going to spend any time talking about the impending judgment that awaits all. That may be in the future. But it sure feels like it's the world that we live in now. And the Holy Spirit gives us that understanding. Using God's word, giving us revelation. He helps us to grasp that there is sin in our world. And it separates us from God, that, that God does call us to lives of righteousness, and not only for the sake of the kingdom, but because it's better for us. And that all of this is connected with that judgment that is gonna come. You see, I think the, the the evil one has been has been so successful in our world today that we've we've slipped back all the way into uh, that Old Testament time that's described for us in the book of Judges, the the 17th chapter with these words. In those days, Israel had no king, had no leader, had no spiritual uh, director, and so everyone did as they saw fit. And it seems like that is the case so often in our world today. And so the Holy Spirit helps us to understand uh, the deception that's there, helps us to see that there is truth. Uh, and, and so as a, a kind of the last part, we see that the Holy Spirit then guides us in that direction. Not only does he point out what's wrong, what he points out what's error, but he points out what's truth as well. In fact, He scripture uses almost those exact words. Jesus in John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. God not only reveals what's, what's false, he reveals what's true to us as well. Which, at least for me, is a great comfort. Have you ever been to a movie where, back in the days when we could go to the movie theaters, and, and you'd sit there with your popcorn and your, and your Coca-Cola, and you're watching, and, and maybe it's a two-hour movie, or maybe it's a two-and-a-half-hour movie, and it's had some different twists and turns in, in the, in the storyline, and you get to the very end, and you don't know how it ended. You don't know whether the good person won or the bad person won, or you don't know if the couple stayed together at the end or ended up separating. You don't know. You're left leaving the theater very confused. Well, I think that's kind of what this world feels like sometimes. Oh, we live in the midst of it. We, oh, we try to understand. We, we read newspapers. We listen to the news blogs and all of those kinds of things. And yet, at the end of the day, we're almost as, as confused as we were when we started. The Holy Spirit helps bring clarity to that. The Holy Spirit helps us uh, to discover what what truth is uh, that is out there, often not found in the words of the world, but in the teachings of God. And as we do that, as we embrace that which the Holy Spirit reveals to us, we find clarity where there was confusion before. We find direction where there was just a sense of wandering before. We, we find that sense of freedom. In fact, again, that's exactly what Scripture tells us. In John 8, Jesus' words, Then you will know the truth. And the truth will what? It will set us free. And so my hope is that as you, you leave here in a, in a few moments, that you'll, you'll continue to ponder and think just a little bit more about the role of the Holy Spirit in each one of our lives. He is an equal part of the Trinity, an equal part of the Godhead. He's the one that that was sent after Jesus ascended back into the the presence to be with the Father. He's the one, the Holy Spirit, that that lives within us. That guides us, that comforts us, that teaches us, that reveals to us uh, the deceptions of the evil one. And points out to us the truths of the one true God. Let me wrap up with one final kind of illustration this morning. There was a young man who had uh, become a pilot, got his private pilot's license, and he was, he was uh, moving forward and, and getting some flying hours. He he got uh, his instrument rating, which simply means that, that he reached a point where he could fly the plane without using any outside visual cues. He could just look at the instruments and rely on what the instruments would tell him which can be a challenge because sometimes what the instruments tell you isn 't what it appears to be uh, on the outside as you as you look around i Let me digress for just a moment. I can remember my mom telling me my dad was an Air Force pilot, and and she was in a uh, simulator once, and so she was. uh, they let the wives just to get a feel for what the husbands would do. She was in the simulator, and all of a sudden these sirens are going off, and these lights are flashing, and and people ran in, and and what ended up happened is my, my mom had landed the plane in the simulator, had landed the plane upside down. Because as she looked outside, she had one sense, and the instruments were telling her something else. So this young man had gotten his instrument rating, but had just gotten it, had not really had a chance to, to practice anything, and as he's flying into this airport, uh, when he gets there, he finds out that it's completely socked in with fog. In fact, the fog has, has gone pretty high. And not only has is it, is it hit that area, it was back on the East Coast, but it, it had spread to all of the surrounding airports as well, so there was nowhere that he could divert to. And as he sees this, this young man's, getting a little panicky he's a little bit alarmed now it's not that he hadn't had the teaching he, he'd sat with an instructor that had told him about them uh, about this stuff that the instructor had almost made him memorize the, the the manual that goes with what you do in situations like that the checklist that you go through and and the different process um, he'd had the he had the head knowledge that went with that but because he'd never done it never found himself in that particular experience he was a, a little bit panicky and so putting his pride aside, he contacts the control tower and, and he says to the individual there, I'm so and so and my plane number is such and such. Um, and I, I see that there, there's all the fog. I've got to land. I don't have a lot more, more gas, but I, I have to tell you, I've never done this before. Can you help me? And the air traffic controller said, not a problem. And so for the next 20 minutes or so, sort of talked him through the, the things that he needed to do, the steps he needed to take, which really was stuff he already knew up here. But there was something reassuring, something comforting, something empowering about hearing those words coming from the air traffic controller. And so as he went through all of the processes and did all of the things, he was able to, to keep focused on the, on the instruments, get down through the, the, the fog that was there, and he landed safely. I think this is somewhat similar to, to what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. You see, we, we've got the manual. We, we've read it. We've, we've studied it. We've looked at it in different classes. We, oh, we know what it is that we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to live, those kinds of things. We've got that. And many parts of that are, are here. We've already got it there. But when we find ourselves in or foreign or unusual circumstances uh, we're, we're a little bit at e- ill at ease we don't know exactly uh, what we should do or how to go about that we have the head knowledge but we still struggle and that's where the Holy Spirit steps in to comfort and to guide and to direct and to remind us that it's okay if we put these things into practice we're going to be alright which of course is the truth and so may God help us in, in our days, in our lives as Christians, to, uh, to not only be more aware of the Spirit, but to be more welcoming, as that first song reminded of us, to invite him in, knowing that as we look to him, as we trust in him, that we will lo- live those lives that God calls us to this day and every day. Amen.